Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. What's going on, everybody? This new episode of the Bears Talk Underground is brought to you by Simply Safe. With home security, there's two ways you can go about protecting your home. There's the traditional way, where you wait weeks for a technician to do a messy installation that costs a small fortune. Or there's the other way, Simply Safe. Simply Safe is everything you need in a home security system. It's award-winning protection, two-time winner of the CNET Editor's Choice Award. Simply Safe blankets your home in safety. You get comprehensive protection for your entire home. Outdoor cameras and doorbells alert you to anyone approaching your home. Entry motion and gas bre- glass break sensors guard inside. You barely notice it's there, but what's truly remarkable is that you can set up this system all by yourself. Anyone can do it. It takes 30 minutes to an hour tops, and there's absolutely no trade-offs to your safety. You'll have an army of highly trained security experts ready to dispatch police to your home at a moment's notice 24-7. And it's only 50 cents a day with no contracts. It's why The Verge calls Simply Safe the best home security system. Go to simplysafe.com slash team today, T-E-A-M, and you'll get free shipping and a 60-day risk-free trial. You've got nothing to lose. Go now and be sure you go to simplysafe.com slash team. That's simplysafe.com slash T-E-A-M. This episode is also brought to you by LinkedIn. The perfect hire can have an impact on your business for years to come. So when you need to find that that next person to help grow your business, LinkedIn jobs will match the right talent with your open role fast. LinkedIn has over 675 million members worldwide. LinkedIn Jobs screens candidates with the hard and soft skills you're looking for so you can hire the right person fast. Things like collaboration, creativity, adaptability, LinkedIn looks beyond the work skills and puts your job post in front of qualified candidates who match your business requirements perfectly. That's how LinkedIn makes sure your job post is seen by the people you want to hire people with the skills, qualifications, and other interests that will help your business grow. It's no wonder a person is hired every eight seconds on LinkedIn and why companies rated LinkedIn Jobs the number one hiring platform for delivering quality hires. Find the right person for your business today with LinkedIn Jobs. You can pay what you want and get the first $50 off. Just visit linkedin.com slash team. Again, that's linkedin.com slash T-E-A-M to get $50 off your first job post. Terms and conditions apply. Got an interesting show for you today, guys. Uh, We got our good friend Q Myers from the uh, Locked On Raiders podcast. It's your boy Q to talk about an interesting what if scenario. Uh, regarding the 1983 draft with the draft coming up around the corner I thought it might be fun to uh, you know to 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 go on the to, to take a fork uh, in in the path you know the the 
the the reality went one way q and i are going to go another way and see and talk about the possible scenarios of what could have happened with the 83 draft and how it relates to our beloved chicago bears and his beloved uh at the time la raiders so uh without further ado let's go ahead and dive in it's the what if episode of the bears talk underground so let's get to it Been gone a little longer than I said I was going to be, but I am back uh, adjusting to a new lifestyle thanks to the the pandemic, the the coronavirus, uh, and the situation that is uh, running rampant throughout the world. Actually, we're not alone here in the states and what we're dealing with, but uh, we're all trying just to get through it. What's going on, everybody? Larry D back for another what if situation scenario. Uh, if you will, our good friend, your boy Q uh, from the Locked On Raiders uh, podcast will be joining us here in a few moments uh, to uh, to hash it out with us. I was watching an old 30 for 30. It was Elway to Marino on ESPN, and um, it was about basically the majority of it was about John Elway uh, being the top prospect in the 83 draft. Uh, the Baltimore Colts owning that number one pick, him not wanting to play with the Baltimore Colts, and the scenarios that follow the different teams that tried to trade for him. And one scenario uh, included the L.A. Raiders trying to trade up into the top ten with our beloved Chicago Bears. The the you know the pieces that were there for that trade, if it would have gone through. And uh, that is what Q is coming on to the show to talk to us about. What if the the Raiders and the Bears were able to make that trade work? Uh, who were the parties involved? Who would have been a Bear? What Elway would have looked like in an L.A. Raider uniform and uh, all that kind of stuff. So we'll hash that out with Q. And actually, <laughs> that was about only half the conversation uh, that Q and I had, uh, we went off talking about uh, the new uniforms uh, in the league and different things with the with the league, and and uh, we actually ended up talking about um, you know how we, how do we feel going into year three of the Khalil Mack trade and Nick Wachowski signing with the Raiders and all that kind of stuff. So it was a kind of a I brought Q on to do one thing, and we ended up talking about about half a dozen. Uh, or so so it was a really interesting really fun conversation uh that i had with him so uh it's not just the what if situation but uh a ton of other stuff that we end up covering uh in that conversation as well but before we get to that i did say that i would be back to kind of do a free agency review uh you know for the bears and their uh their acquisitions when i the last time that we spoke and i hope you guys enjoyed that uh top 10 sports movie uh podcast uh that my, me and my buddy simmons did uh for you guys uh we certainly had a lot of fun hashing out those movies and talking about them and just kind of uh you know just just having something to talk about for you know a couple hours i hope you guys enjoyed that but um let's talk about the bears and what they've uh been up to and actually we cover some of this stuff with uh q later on in the conversation but we'll talk about this now um it's kind of been a six and one half a dozen in the other uh kind of scenario with uh ryan pace and his uh transactions 
uh, so far uh, this offseason. And then, you know, there are a lot of big names still out there. The Bears may not be done, um, you know, with their with their moves. They don't have a lot of cal- salary cap space left, according to what I'm seeing here on, on, on SportTrack or SpotTrack, however you pronounce that, S-P-O-T-R-A-C dot com. But uh, thing, they have the Bears at just above $10 million, uh, on uh, as far as available cap space, and I'm wondering how much of that is earmarked for um, rookies and uh, things like that. Also, the Bears could do some maneuvering with their current contracts and open up some cap space. There's been some, some discussion or rumors of the Bears doing that to maybe open up the... There are some things that are too good to keep a secret, like how your Amex Platinum card helps you have the perfect trip. I'd like to check into the Centurion Lounge. Or how it seems like you always get those hard-to-snag tables. Ooh, yum. And how you get the most out of select can't-miss events. With access to the Centurion Lounge, Resi Priority Notified, and Amex card member benefits at select events, you'll have to share. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Ah. The comfort of your favorite seat is now your comfy car-selling command center, thanks to Carvana. It doesn't get any better than this. Your favorite seat's the best spot in the house. Make it even better by entering your license plate or VIN and getting a real offer in minutes. There really is no place like home. And speaking of home, Carvana will pick up your car from yours after you finalize your offer. Visit Carvana.com or download the app and sell your car from your comfy place. The cap a little bit to be able to maybe uh, snag one of these late free agents, uh, you know, later in the game here. But, um... You know, the Bears, uh, uh, I'm not going to get the chronological part of it right at this point, but basically the headline moves go like this. And, and you guys know this, so I'm just giving you my two cents on on these moves and, and uh, how I feel about them because, uh, you know, we haven't been around much to have those kind of discussions. So here we are. Uh, obviously, number one, the headline move of the offseason, the quarterback situation. There was a lot of talk back and forth. Uh, especially in the early days of the free agency or the tampering period, it was basically oh, it sounded almost like a done deal there for a while that the Bears and Teddy Bridgewater on a three-year deal worth about sixty million dollars, uh, having him come to Chicago, that sounded like a done deal for a while. And I think maybe for a while that was everybody's intention that Teddy Bridgewater was going to be the quarterback of the Chicago Bears, and then at the last minute. It wasn't happening, and then Bridgewater was talking to somebody else, and he was having conversations here. Ultimately, Teddy Bridgewater ended up in Carolina on a three-year deal worth about $60 million. I think maybe Ryan Pace was a bit more hesitant to go full in on Teddy Bridgewater without being able to do a physical, which, thanks to the uh, pandemic, travel restrictions and you know, or just being planted safe, uh, for that, um, not being able to have our doctors check him out. You guys know how cautionary that Ryan Pace is with these kind of things, and ultimately he's been right so far. You know, Cameron Meredith uh, a couple of years ago, uh, Bryce Callahan not re-signing him uh, last season. Those turned out to be absolute genius moves on his part. Um, you know, Cameron Meredith, God bless him, never really seemed to recover from that knee injury. Uh, he spent most of... Uh, last season with the Saints on uh, on injured reserve and I mean last year with uh, with Bryce Callahan 
Uh, I don't think he played it down for the Broncos, still suffering the implications of that foot injury that he suffered at the end of 2018 uh, with the Bears. So I think maybe the uh, the hesitance or the cautionary of Ryan Pace um, kept the Bears from pulling the trigger on that move ultimately. So there was talk about maybe pursuing Derek Carr. That was there for a while. Uh, Andy Dalton was part of the discussion. There was some rumblings about Cameron, uh, Cam Merritt, uh, Cam Newton, excuse me, um, when it was obvious that uh, Carolina was going to move on after signing Teddy uh, Bridgewater. But ultimately, the move that was made, the Bears traded the fourth round compensatory pick that they got for Adrian Amos. They sent that off to Carolina to get their hand, or excuse me, to Jacksonville to get their hands on Nick Foles. So. There it was, and you, you'll, you'll hear me mention this a little bit later on when I'm talking to, to Q about the whole thing. When the trade was made, there was talk of this being a quarterback competition, but this was also you know in the early hours of the trade with Nick Foles just coming to Chicago and everyone thinking that the, the Bears were absorbing that big contract that he signed with Jacksonville where he's averaging about $22 million a season. I was like, if he's going to be making $20 million a year in Chicago, there's no way he's going to be our backup quarterback. He's not competing for a spot at $20 He's going to be the guy. Well, it turns out the Bears and Nick Foles restructured the contract to it's basically a three-year $24 million deal. And um, basically, if uh, Nick Foles can opt out after year one, so basically, let's say, he does win the quarterback competition with Mitch, and he plays well. He can opt out of the last two years and go into free agency and try to basically get that big quarterback money back uh, for himself. So God knows Nick Foles is definitely motivated to perform and, and win the quarterback competition. But the real question is, you know, as you guys heard me say before, when, when I was talking about what I preferred with this quarterback situation, and it always was, um, I was more in favor of a quarterback competition. And like I said, initially it didn't look like it was going to be a competition with Foles making you know anywhere from 17 to 20 million uh, this season. But with the restructuring, they're both making about the same money this year. Mitch is going to make about seven, eight million in the last year of that uh, four year deal. And Foles is going to be making about eight or nine million. Uh, as a quarter as the you know on that three-year deal with uh, restructuring with the Bears so it is a straight-up competition now so now it's a best man wins uh, situation and you know I really feel like the Bears are in a win-win scenario with this whole thing you know either Mitch is going to step up and be the quarterback that we drafted him to be or Nick Foles is going to be our quarterback and I'm okay with either scenario, because I, I, you know, I think we're all waiting to see what a motivated back against the wall Mitch Trubisky might look like compared to a guy who has been the anointed starter with no real threat to his starting job in any of his three years prior uh, in the NFL. It was just pressure from, you know, maybe teammates or obviously from the fans and from the press for him to play better. But there was no real threat to the job, so he could ignore the noise, uh, you know, from the fans, from the press, and uh, you know, and all that kind of stuff. Now, 
He has to super. He has to be hyper focused if he wants to keep his job. If he wants to be a Chicago Bear beyond 2020, he's going to have to play his best football, and he's going to have. I have to outplay a quarterback who has been to the Pro Bowl, who has been to and won a Super Bowl. So we're at least going. We're at the at we're either going to see the best version of Mitch Trubisky, or we're going to be seeing the last of Mitch Trubisky. That's what 2020 is going to end up being. So I'm in favor of what's happening. Either way, I think we're going to be fine at quarterback because we're either going to have a, a you know a super motivated and ready to take on the world Mitch Trubisky at quarterback, or we're going to have a veteran who's been where we want to go in Nick Foles. So I think we're, we're going to be okay at the quarterback position. And uh, in other moves, uh, the, the, other hi- the other highlight moves the Bears made, number one, we all got our wish, uh, and, you know, it's kind of a bittersweet thing, but the Bears cut Leonard Floyd. Um, you know, not a bad football player. Anybody who comes out and says he was a bust, you're an idiot because he's not a bust. He's not a bad football player. He just wasn't the player that we drafted him to be. We drafted him to be a pass rusher, to come off the edge and get after the quarterback. He was good at everything else. He's excellent against the run. He's good in pass or pass uh, defense and pass coverage. He just he always seemed to be a step or two too late getting to the quarterback, and we saw the ramifications of that last year. I think last season was like his first healthy start to finish season of his career, and he had the lowest sack total of his career. Uh, on top of it, he had three and a half sacks or something like that, or or three sacks the whole season, and he had two of those week one against Green Bay. So he had one sack in the last 15 weeks uh, of the season with Khalil Mack getting double and triple teamed on the other side. That is, that's there's no excuse for that. There is no excuse for that. So the Bears went ahead and let him go. He was signed up almost immediately by the L.A. Rams, so he'll be coming off the uh, – coming off the bench for the for the Rams, or maybe he'll be the guy on the other side of Dante Fowler because I think they let Clay Matthews go as well. But uh, they got rid of uh, Leonard Floyd to make room for Robert Quinn. Uh, the past, uh, He's kind of a pass rush specialist um, from the Dallas Cowboys, was drafted in the first round by the Rams. Feels like 100 years ago, but I'm looking here on the, on the Spot Track website. He's only 30. So maybe he was one of those guys that got into the league when he was 20 or 21 because I feel like he's been in the league for a while, but he just turned 30 years old. The Bears signed him to a five-year, $70 million deal that basically is a two-year deal worth about $30 million. I think the Bears can opt out before year three. But uh, talk about a guy that we can expect to bring pressure from the opposite side of Khalil Mack. This could be one of those things where what we were hoping – would happen with Leonard Floyd because you can't double team Robert Quinn, you know, because then you're leaving one on one with Khalil Mack on the other side, and you can't double team Khalil Mack because that means you got to go one on one with Robert Quinn on the other side. So this is beautiful for the Bears. This is my favorite signing uh, of the off season. Um, one of those not so favorite signings or kind of a head scratcher, if you will. Uh, the Bears went out and got themselves a tight end. A 33-year-old Jimmy Graham. Now, this would have been an awesome sign for the Bears if this was 2015 uh, when he was still wrecking shop in New Orleans with Drew Brees. 
but um, he's been to Seattle, he's been to Green Bay, um, and, uh, you know, he's been healthy, so I guess we can depend on him uh, that way, but uh, otherwise he hasn't been the dynamic pass-catching threat that he was when he was in New Orleans, and the Bears paid him two years, $16 million to be a part uh, of the team. So I'm hoping that this is one of those change of pace or change of you know scenery or whatever after two years in green bay where it maybe works out better for him and god knows it can't get any worse at tight end so as much as people hate the signing of jimmy graham uh to the bears this is an absolute upgrade at tight end for us so uh who knows maybe we can use one of those second round picks on a tight end uh in the draft we'll have to uh wait and see uh other signings the bears made um, we re-signed Deion Bush to a one-year deal to come back and, and be uh, in the free safety or strong safety, I should say, uh, competition. Ha-ha Clinton Dix signed a one-year deal to go to Dallas and become a Cowboy. So happy trails to uh, Clinton Dix. Not a bad player for us at all. I just don't think he was the best fit, especially because it was like having two Eddie Jacksons back there, and that just didn't really work uh, last season. So, I mean, we gave Eddie Jackson – four years 60 million dollars to be our free safety we're gonna have to find somebody who can be the next adrian amos so eddie jackson can go back to being uh eddie jackson i had to say goodbye to a few guys this year uh nick kwiatkowski you'll hear us talk about nick a little bit later on uh with myself and q signed a three-year 21 million dollar deal with the las vegas raiders so uh he will not be a green bay packer thank god uh, and he'll be in the AFC. So happy trails to Nick. I was really sad to see him go. You'll hear us talk about that a little bit later on when Q and I get in depth. Uh, Chase Daniel and Nick Williams are both headed to Detroit to be with the Lions. Uh, Chase Daniel somehow managing to make millions. He started five games in his career going into like his 12th, 13th season. He signed a three-year, $13 million deal with the Lions. Nick Williams, two years, $10 million. Uh, to wreak havoc against us for the next two years in a Lions uh, uniform. Somehow Cornelius Lucas got a new contract with the Washington Redskins, so good luck with him on that one. Speaking of the Redskins, Kevin Pierre-Lewis. There's a guy I'm sad to see go. One year, $3 million with the Washington Redskins. So uh, the Bears ended up picking up some uh, some other free agents. Uh, Barkevius Mingo, who was a top 10 draft choice for the Cleveland Browns 100 years ago, has kind of been bouncing around with the league. His, he's been in New England. His last stop was with the Houston Texans. Signs a one-year deal with the Bears. He's an outside linebacker, so maybe some pass rushing depth. Probably more so a special teams guy for us. Uh, Jermaine Ifedi, or Ifedi, uh, an offensive tackle, was a number one pick for the Seattle Seahawks. I think back in 2015, signs a one-year deal uh, with the Bears. Uh, Artie Burns, a corner from the Pittsburgh Steelers, a former first-round pick for them, signs a one-year deal to join the Bears. Uh, we re-signed DeAndre Houston Carson to come back on a one-year deal. Brent Urban, who was a reserve defensive lineman for us last year, re-signs on a one-year deal with the Bears. And then rounding up the acquisitions the Bears have made thus far, uh, safety out of Kansas City, Jordan Lucas kind of joins that safety competition. Uh, and we brought Tyler Bray back for some reason. So there you go. Tyler Bray on a one-year deal uh, so we can put him on the practice squad for 12 weeks 
uh, next season. So I don't even think he's practice squad eligible anymore. So who knows what's going to happen there. But the highlight moves, the Bears trading for Nick Foles. I give that a thumbs up. Robert Quinn, two huge thumbs up. Jimmy Graham, meh. Let's put a thumb to the side. I'm not going to give that one a thumbs down because we needed a tight end. We had other choices. We didn't go with that. We went with Jimmy Graham. So let's hope for the best. He's ours now, so we got to root for him. So uh, overall, I think I would give the Bears kind of a B minus C plus grade in free agency because, like I said, the the moves they made, it's like one move, yes, and the next move, meh. You know, people aren't exactly crazy about the Nick Foles thing. Uh, but, you know, I think some people are in favor of it because it at least means we might not have to deal uh, with Mitch Trubisky and his, uh, you know, quarterback play in 2020. Like I say, I think the Bears in an open competition situation are going to be the winners no matter what. We're either going to get the Mitch that we always wanted or we're going to get Nick Foles, who's a veteran, a Super Bowl MVP, a guy that's been where this team wants to go. And on the field, he doesn't have the same problems that Mitch needs to work out so as to be the starter uh, of the team. So it'll be a veteran guy that knows this offense, that can run this offense, that is surrounded by people he's familiar with, like Nagy, like Filippo, and, uh, and so on, to be able to succeed uh, in this uh, – in this uh, offense. So there you have it. So anyway, we're going to go ahead and wrap this up and get to our conversation with our boy Q Myers talking about the what if scenario in the 1983 NFL draft. So here we are, thanks to the uh, pandemic you know, shutting down the entire country. It, it doesn't feel like Easter Sunday, which is why Q and I are talking to each other instead of hanging out with our families. Q Myers from Locked On Raiders is going to help us out with this what-if scenario. Q, how we doing, man? Doing really well. It is, man. It's a weird uh, Easter Sunday with uh, no family. Usually I'd have a bunch of family at the house, and we'd be eating and, and watching some games and talking some stuff. And, and uh, yeah, but it's not, not like that because of the pandemic. But uh, here we are. Uh, we get to catch up and, and do a little what-if conversation. Yeah, man. Usually on a holiday like this, I mean, this, uh, you know, you'd, like you said, you'd be surrounded by family. There'd be food everywhere, maybe watching a baseball game or a, a playoff game in basketball. If it, Would it be playoff season for basketball yet? Um, or we'd be really, we'd be really close though, wouldn't yeah. we? If it wasn't, you we'd know, so maybe we're watching a baseball game or you know whatever, and uh, instead we're both holed up in a room someplace talking to somebody <laughs> who isn't there. So good stuff, good stuff. Right, so right. Uh, playing with a a what if uh, scenario, even though it doesn't feel like draft season, it is. We're less than two weeks away uh, from the 2020 NFL draft, which. I was really, really looking forward to it being in Vegas and with how they blew it up in Chicago and Philly and especially last year in Nashville, what would it have looked like in Vegas, man? I mean, that was that was going to be something. You know, how are they going to blow that up? And I guess we'll never know unless they get Vegas back in the fray within the next year or two or something uh, yeah. like that. You know, it's funny. I, I was really looking forward to Vegas as well. Uh, I still haven't even uh... – uh, canceled my flight trip. I mean, I was already on my way, you know. I, I, I don't know what I'm waiting for. I still haven't canceled that. But, 
Uh, it was going to be exciting, man. Nashville was so awesome. Yeah. It was three days there, and I just imagined Vegas was going to be even better. And I'm hearing that maybe not next year, because next year it'll be, and I believe, in Cleveland. It's and in Green then, Bay next year. Is it in Green Bay next year? Yeah. Hold back Uh-oh. the fun in Green Bay, but that's where okay. it's going to be next year. Okay. Well, then it's maybe in the, in a couple of years it's supposed to be possibly back in Vegas. There's a year that doesn't hasn't already been – picked yet i know kansas city's one year i know cleveland's one year and then there's a year that's empty i think that's the year that it's going to be in vegas so we'll see interesting all right well yeah but this would have been a great year for it the raiders first year uh in vegas and just the nfl draft and what it has become in vegas was really going to be an event that just isn't going to happen now so apparently they announced today goodell's going to be making the picks from his basement in his house so nice yeah (laughs) That'll well, be at least great. You won't get booed. Yeah. You won't get booed there. <laughs> <laughs> right. Maybe they'll maybe they'll filter it in just so we'll feel at home watching the draft and right. uh, things like that. So anyway, we're taking a look back at the 1983 draft, which proved to be pivotal for both of our teams. Our my beloved Chicago Bears, your beloved now Las Vegas. Is it Las Vegas Raiders or Vegas Raiders? Do you know? I mean, it's technically the Las Vegas Raiders, but I think everyone's just going to end up saying Vegas Raiders. Sure, but, sure. You know, it, it, it is what it is. It is Las Vegas Raiders, and I'm still trying to get used to saying that, but right. that's what it is. Well, hopefully I can do better with that than I have with the Chargers. I'm still calling them San Diego, man. <laughs> I think we all so, are. You know, they're they're two years removed from San Diego. I'm still calling them San Diego. So Right, right. Um, but anyway, 83 was a big year for both teams, for the Bears for the Raiders, and we'll get to why kind of at the end uh, of this discussion. But, you know, as well as it worked out for both teams, there was a scenario that involved both of our squads where it could have really taken both teams on a different path, and that's what we're here to talk about today. So to give a little bit of context, the 1983 draft is historically known as the quarterback draft. Six quarterbacks taken in the first round, including – uh, Dan Marino was in there. You had Todd Blackledge, Tony Eason, uh, Ken O'Brien, uh, most of which had decent careers, but the number one pick, the number one prospect in that draft was a kid out of Stanford named John Elway. And in 1983, the Baltimore Colts held the number one pick in the draft. And John Elway, 21 years before Eli Manning came up with the idea, told the world and the Colts that he did not want to play in Baltimore like if he play if he was drafted by Baltimore he had leverage that Eli didn't have because Eli wasn't drafted in the first round by the New York Yankees so Elway was saying if you guys take me I'm going to play baseball to hell with it yeah and, and that was funny man that that's funny that that scenario came back around later like you mentioned with Eli but uh yeah, John Elway, he had all the all the uh, all, all kind of uh, leverage on his side because he was that great of an athlete. Yeah. And by some stroke of of luck or genius, the Elway's agent at the time, Martin Demoff, I was watching the 30 for 30 on this on that draft yesterday, kept a running diary of the saga in in between Baltimore and the Elways and the other teams that were interested in Elway and, and them, them telling him we're talking to Baltimore, trying to get the pick. And what made it so difficult for people to acquire the pick was Ernie Accorsi, the Colts GM, his demands on by today's standards were bananas. And just imagine what that must have felt like in 83. Okay, here's the rundown. Ernie Accorsi, for the right to have the number one pick and therefore select John Elway, wanted 
three first-round picks, okay? But two of them had to be in 83. So you had to have two first-round picks in 83 just to talk to a Corsi. And one of those two had to be, and I quote, in the top five or six. I mean, that is just the specificity of that alone is insane then obviously the third one had to be an 84 and on top of all that he wanted two second round picks as well so he didn't want a king's ransom he wanted a kingdom's ransom in order (laughs) to be able to pick number one uh and get your hands on elway right no he did He, he really did i mean he he knew how valuable that's just it he knew exactly how valuable john elway was going to be and how great of a player he was and he was going to be highly coveted by a lot of teams so you might as well go ahead and and shoot for the moon, right? And that's exactly what he did uh, and had a high, high, high demand for that number one overall pick. Yeah, I mean, that is – I mean, this was years before Jimmy Johnson came out with the the picks value chart that everyone uses uh, today uh, and all that. I can't even imagine what the math would have been on three number ones, one in the top five, two in the same season, and also two number twos on top of it. You know, the value you would have had to come with to come close to that would have just been, you know, was Elway worth, you know, all of that? I mean, just just crazy what, of course, he was asking for. However, there were teams out there that were falling over themselves trying to make this happen and offering Ernie, of course, whatever they could come with. And one of those teams was the Raiders. Now, granted, they had a, a top quarterback in Jim Plunkett, but in the 30 in the 86 83 season excuse me he was 36 years old so obviously looking towards the future of your quarterback position not a bad idea uh for davis and the raiders and this is where the bears come in because the raiders made the playoffs in 83 82 which was a strike shortened season so they held the 26th pick in that draft and this was in a nfl that only had 28 teams so they were basically at the back end of the first round so they come with to to the bears with a scenario and the bears that year owned the sixth pick in the draft actually the bears had two number ones they had the sixth and the 18th uh pick so the raiders were interested in the in trading with the bears the bears were interested in listening and steve ortmeyer was the general manager of the raiders is that correct um i don't want to lie to you (laughs) (laughs) Not 100% positive on that because, you know, it's always been uh, Al's way. So. Right. That's why I was asking because I just remember his name coming up as right. in that who's who Jim Finks was talking to, but it wasn't really laid out that he was the general manager or the player pro player personnel guy or anything like that. Just uh, made it sound like he was more of the mouthpiece for Al Davis more so than anything else. I mean, everybody knows final decision went through Al Davis. Yes. But the discussions between uh, Ortmeier and Jim Finks, who was the Bears general manager at the time, laid out a Group A and a Group B scenario for the Bears. And this is where it kind of gets messed up because the Bears thought, Jim Finks thought, the Raiders were saying you can either have Group A or you can have Group B. And what the Raiders were offering was kind of the uh, Chinese menu. Take one out of column A, take one out of column B, and there you have it. There's your trade situation. So group A was defensive lineman Howie Long, the father of Kyle Long and Chris Long, 
uh, as well. And also cornerback Ted Watts. That's Group A. Group B is four guys I've never heard of before, so maybe you can help me out with this. Uh, Mike Davis, strong safety. Uh, free safety Van McElroy or McElroy. Yep. Uh, Kenny Hill and Jeff Barnes was Group B. Right, exactly. And, I mean, they, they were they were good players. You right. know, don't get me wrong, good players, but not great, great players. You know sure. what I mean? Like, they were very – I mean, they're, they're – like I said, they were good players. Uh, McElroy, I, I remember him a, a lot, kind of liked him a lot. Uh, you know, Hill was a good player. But there was, like I said, there was nobody that was really a star, in my opinion. Outside of Howie Long, of right, course. Right, of course, right. Yeah, of course, and, Howie Long. You know, Howie <laughs> Long was the, the Hall of Famer, and he's the only name – I recognized flat out when I was reading the uh, the list. So the wires get crossed. Finks wants both players from Group A, and that's kind of where things fall apart. Word is Davis didn't want to part with Howie Long. The other word is if you listen to Ron Wolf, who is who made his name as the uh, the player, the GM or the player personnel guy in Green Bay uh, in the '90s, was working for Davis and the Raiders at the time, believes that Pete Rozelle got mixed up in, uh, you know, maybe vetoing the trade or getting to the Bears to tell them to withdraw their offer or whatever because in 1983, Al Davis just won $49 million from the NFL over a, a, a dispute on Al Davis moving the Raiders to Los Angeles. Right, and look, that's been something that's been talked about so much, and I think every Raider fan that has any kind of history with the team uh, absolutely believes 100% that uh, Pete Rozelle jumped in there and uh, and pulled that kind of a move and, and made sure that Al, and Al believed it to, to the day he died, he believed yeah. that uh, Rozelle jumped in there and didn't allow him to uh, go ahead with that trade so he can eventually go and get uh, John Elway. He always felt it was on Rozelle that uh, it wasn't, that was the reason why he didn't get uh, Elway. Yeah, so depending depending on who you believe, all the Raiders fans believe Ron Wolf and believe that Pete Rozelle stepped in just to kind of stick it to him. Uh, for what he just put the NFL through and the turmoil that the league was experiencing. Obviously, the bad press uh, involved with the infighting between franchises and, and, the, and the league itself. Uh, or you believe that uh, Davis didn't want to part with Howie Long and put the kibosh on the deal uh, himself. Either way, the Bears withdrew from the conversation, and with the sixth pick, they took Jimbo Covert, an offensive tackle out of Pitt, who was just elected into the Pro Football Hall of Fame. Um, the Raiders didn't have any more opportunities, or at least that's where it ended for them when their pursuit uh, of John Elway, at least on draft day, however, selected uh, Dan Mosbar, uh, an, an offensive lineman out of USC. Who Was he a starter in 83? Uh, yeah, he, he eventually became a starter, but, yeah, he was a center. Uh, yeah, Mosbar, he, he, was a, he was a good player. I mean, Yeah, he was a 12 years and three Pro Bowls is what the, yeah. the documentary said. Right, so yeah, um, he was. I mean, he was good. He started about a what they say, 159 games out of 173. Like, so yeah, yeah, he ended up being a, a good player, but he wasn't John Elway. Right, right. <laughs> he wasn't John Elway. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, but what the other ironic part is that 26, where the Raiders were picking, they were the last hurdle between the Miami Dolphins and Dan Marino. So if 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 Al Davis had a, any foresight, or maybe if he was still focused on trying to get Elway. Dan Marino fell into his lap at 26, and he took Mosbar instead. He took the wrong Dan. Right. Well, no, yeah, exactly. Uh, that would have been I, I would have been interesting, right, to see what Dan Marino could have been as a, as a Raider quarterback. Doesn't really seem like, and I guess maybe because we know the history of Dan Marino right. and everything, 
doesn't really seem like he would have been a guy that would have fit with the silver and black very well. But then again, he was a Hall of Fame quarterback. So who knows? You know, he, he might have turned out to be really good. But, like, I could have seen John Elway as a Raider. I mean, I, I absolutely could have seen him yeah. as a Raider. Just kind of that attitude and, and his, his just his whole style and everything seems – Seems like it has that that Raider mystique to it, but I don't know about Marino. It just I don't know. Maybe it was just because he was a pretty boy. I, I don't know. Well, you that's know, the just... that's the funny thing about it because right. you could see Elway being being a Raider guy, and you know being able to fit in with the Raiders and their image and and all that kind of stuff. And Elway was a lifelong California like surfer dude, right. and Elway or excuse me, Marino on the other hand was from the Steel City of Pittsburgh. You know where they where they make them tough. They come out pounding steel bars out there in uh, Pittsburgh, or at least they did back then. Played his entire career in Pittsburgh. Went to University of Pitt uh, himself. So you figured that that guy with that upbringing would probably be the better fit for the Raiders, being more of the hard nosed, blue collar, you know, kind of guy. But actually, you know, I agree with you. I think Elway would have been the better guy to go with uh, with the uh, with the Raiders. The 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 other ironic part is that. Both of these guys had amazing arms that could throw the football out of stadiums, which is what um, Al Davis loved, which was kind of, you know, surprising that, you know, with Marino there and Plunkett being 35 going on 36 into the season, that wasn't at least a thought for them. Yeah, exactly. And and I would really love to have been a fly on the wall to figure out why yeah. that wasn't, you know, why that wasn't part of the conversation, because you're right. Uh, Marino had a hell of an arm and he's right there. Uh, for the for the Raiders to pick, and you know, no no disrespect to Mosbar, who who was the center from USC, but I mean, you need a quarterback, you need a signal caller, man. Dan Marino would have been a great option to have, you know. I mean, but Al Davis could have been so focused on John Elway, really, really right. wanting John Elway. And you know what's funny is actually when Al Davis made the call to 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 uh, select Jamarcus Russell when he sl- selected him number one overall, even though a lot of people said that that was a bad decision. He told a lot of people that he felt like he was going to be his John Elway. He was going to be as good as Elway. That's why he selected him. And uh, it's so it's so funny and ironic because years later, he was still making decisions based off of Elway, who got away. Right, yeah. Uh, and we know how that worked out. Yeah, we do. <laughs> how did you feel about uh, Jamarcus Russell? You know, I'm not even going to lie to you. I was excited about him when uh, the really? Raiders drafted him. I mean, because the Raiders needed a quarterback so bad. Yeah. And, you know, everything that I had heard was, man, the guy has the strongest arm. He could throw the ball so far, and he could throw it 70 yards from a, a knee. And, I mean, you know, we heard all of the stories, and uh, he was doing some good things at LSU. And so I thought, you know what, this guy's going to come in there, and he's going to be a monster. He could just gun the ball. And like I said, I was saying that he was going to be, you know, John Elway-esque. And so I'm thinking, well, hell, if you got a guy like that, then – then go, go for it. So I got excited and pumped up about it. It didn't take very long, though, to realize that that was a bad decision. And, well, I mean, look, you see what the NFL did. They had to change the rule. I mean, they had to do a rookie a rookie wage scale because of Jamarcus Russell. That's how yeah. bad of a pick that was. Yeah, I mean, that's he, a, that he, set the team back for years. Yeah, he broke the bank with, uh, with the yep. Raiders because of that, that rookie salary cap. Didn't Even though it didn't go into place for, like, another four years, I think that, you know, Jamarcus Russell was a big reason why the wheels started turning. Yep. Uh, yep. After that, because Jake Long, who was the next pick in 08, was a uh, was a good player. Um, who was the number one in 09? Uh, that's a really good question. Uh, oh, it was, it was Matt Stafford. And then oh, 2010 yeah. was the last year. And that was Sam Bradford, Bradford who yeah. also was stealing money the entire time he was in the NFL. 
you know, the last year in Arizona, he got $20 million to play like six games for the Cardinals. That's that's absolutely nuts. Yeah, absolutely. But that's a guy who made like $200 million and didn't do a damn thing for any of it. You know, right. Exactly. But uh, yeah, Jamarcus Russell. I, I had huge reservations about that, you know, and I'm one of those guys. And you, the first time you and I talked, I brought this up, was that I've been really rooting for the Raiders over the years because when I was a kid, AKA, you know, circa 83, coming into watching football, I mean, I was only five years old in 83, but right. Super Bowl 18 is the first Super Bowl that I remember watching, and that was the Raiders and the Redskins uh, back in – 83 you know and growing up they were they were a good team always a contender in the AFC so watching them falter you know over the years and then become kind of the laughing stock of the league is like this is I don't I don't like the Raiders being like this you know it's like first of all they have one of the coolest uniforms in all of sports and yet they're getting dusted every single week it's like this doesn't it's not right that's not the way it's supposed to go so you know I, I didn't want them to take Jamarcus Russell I don't remember who it was I thought they should have taken uh, in his place, but you know, it's like I didn't want them to take Russell, and I ended up unfortunately being right about that. Yeah, well, Calvin Johnson was the guy that a lot of people. Yes, said that oh they my God, that's right. <laughs> so yeah. and Lane Kiffin, Lane Kiffin was the quarter, or not the quarterback, but the head coach, and he didn't want he didn't want Russell either, and so uh, you know he he was going to roll with uh, with uh, what's his name? Uh, not Mahomes. Um, uh, you know, Josh McCown. Remember McCown? Okay. Yeah, he was going to okay. roll with McCown, and uh, Davis said that he had to have Russell, so so he did. But you know, it's just it, it's one of those things, man. You you go with it, and the draft is, and we'll find out this upcoming year. You know, somebody's going to get drafted that everyone thinks is going to be a hell of a player, and they're going to turn out to be terrible. And there's going to be someone who you know is just kind of under the radar, and they're going to end up being a stud. So we'll just uh, we'll just see how it shakes out. You know, it's funny though, thinking about uh, if Howie Long had been traded and, and obviously we've had conversations about Khalil Mack being traded to the bears. Right. Uh, I mean, Howie Long was, you know, that was the, 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 the Raiders sack leader. I mean, he right. was the guy, I mean, you go back to 83 and you kind of just look at, at what the, the, to the starting lineup did the defensive starters, what they did. I mean, it was, it was Howie Long and then really nobody else, you mm-hmm. know what I mean? Like Lyle Alzado had seven sacks, but Howie Long had 13. So mm-hmm. he was basically Khalil Mack for the Raiders before Khalil Mack. <laughs> right. you know? and, and that's where it kind of that's where the what if part comes in yep. is that, you know, obviously, if the Bears could only choose one out of group A, it had to be Howie Long and group B, you know, whoever they take, um, it's it, Howie Long being the centerpiece of that trade, at least for the Bears. Anyway, could you imagine Howie Long on a defensive line? That included Steve McMichael, Richard Dent, and Dan Hampton. Wow, that would have been. I mean, that would have been outstanding for for the, the Bears. I mean, with, they would have been. They, with, I mean, they obviously were dominating anyway. Yeah, they were so sticking good anyway. But it would have just made them that much better. Oh my God! With with Singletary in the middle, and you got Otis Wilson and and uh, that savage Wilbur Marshall coming off the edge as well in that forty six. I mean, no quarterback on earth would have been safe from those guys. No, no, and like I said, and especially with Howie Long at that age, being only 23 and 83, <laughs> I mean, he, he could have done that for years. He could yeah. have been that dude for years. It's crazy to think about, you know, and, and the impact that that would have had. But, of course, the domino effect would have been the Bears don't have the number six pick in the draft, so do they still take Willie Galt at 18, or do they go for another offensive tackle that they missed out on because they gave up number six? And how does that affect, uh, you know, what happened 
uh, behind it. That's that's an interesting situation to think about. But <clears throat> the main scenario is Elway as a Raider. Where does, is he starting in '83? Is he backing up Plunkett? What do you what do you think? I think he probably backs up Plunkett in '83, and then he's he's got to take over in '84. I mean, yeah. if you're gonna if you're gonna make that kind of a, a trade, I mean, that guy's got to be. You know he's got to be right around the corner to start him, but I think Plunkett had one more good run in him. You know, and then uh, and as again at thirty six, I could see Al saying, "All right, it's it's John's team now." And and I think that that Plunkett would have seen the the writing on the wall the minute that they make the move for for uh, Elway anyway. So yeah, I think he probably would have started in eighty four. That's gonna be my best guess. Right. So I mean, and the funny thing is, and we alluded to it earlier, was that it the trade didn't happen. Uh, Elway went to Denver, which that was the funniest part of the documentary for me was that Ernie Acorsi was like, I want three ones and two twos. And what they ended up getting was a first rounder in 84. Chris Hinton, who was the pick for the Broncos, that's who the Broncos took at number four in the 83 draft and a backup quarterback for John Elway. Straight up. That's what they got for the number one pick in the draft, and Elway, who ended up being a Hall of Famer, arguably, in my opinion, one of the top five quarterbacks of all time. And that's what Baltimore got in return. And in return, Ernie Acorsi resigned as general manager the day after they made that trade. It's like, um, <laughs> this isn't going to be the stink on me, man. I knew what I wanted. I knew what right. I wanted to do. You guys, you know, uh, you know, Ursay, the, the owner of the team, was like, yeah, I'm going to go ahead and do this and – my general manager is going to have to deal with it. And the general manager is like, no, I'm not. I'm out of here. I'm gone. Deuces. I'm gone. That is that is crazy. But, man, what a trickle-down effect that would have had. Yeah. You know? I mean, because think about this. I mean, Elway, he played till what, 98? Yeah. I mean, you know, I mean, think about all the Raider quarterbacks that played in between 83 and 98. I mean, the, Ra- the Raiders of all teams, man, they had – Jeez, I mean, I mean, well, if you go, go back and look. I remember mean, who you're of- talking to now, bro. This is <laughs> – I'm I'm the guy that's in love with the team that always gets to look at the list of the last 25 years of NFL history where the the Packers have had, you know, including like uh, guys who started week 17 who have started four quarterbacks in like 26 years. The Bears have started like 47 in that right. same span in the time that the Packers have had two starting quarterbacks in Brett Favre and Aaron Rodgers. So I feel your pain in that area where you've got a brand-new starting quarterback, sometimes a few each and every season, just trying to find that guy that can lead your team. Yeah, I mean, and I'm just I'm just kind of looking at the list right now just, just because I want to laugh. And, <laughs> I mean, man, I'm looking at Mark Wilson. I'm yeah. looking at Jay Schrader, Steve Berline, Jeff Hosteller, Vince Evans, Todd Marinovich, Billy Joe Hobart, uh, Jeff George, Donald Hollis. Wade Wilson, and then, I mean, really, you don't get to Rich Gannon until 1999. So, I mean, it, it could have basically gone from uh, Jim Plunkett to John Elway to Rich Gannon. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, and even Rich Gannon was a, a wily veteran at that point. You exactly. know, deep into yep. his career at that point. Uh, yep. You know, this was a guy that uh, kind of found the fountain of youth to be the NFL MVP in 2002. Um, but, uh, yeah, so, I mean, it's – it's it's crazy to think that uh you know it if it could have happened it it might have happened hadn't it not been for Roselle if you believe the conspiracy or the truth you know 
whatever right. it was. I mean, I certainly know that there, the turmoil between the two, it is certainly possible that Roselle did that, you know, yeah. just to kind of stick it to Al Davis. That's how contentious it was. I mean, even after Roselle uh, quit and it was uh, Tagliabue, it was the same kind of – I don't think there was as much animosity between the two, but right. certainly, you know, Al Davis was at odds with the NFL pretty much his entire life. Exactly. Absolutely right. And so, yeah, man, I, I can uh, I do definitely sign up to the to believe that uh, that there was some some funny stuff, some funny business going on in the background, you know. And again, uh, a lot of Raider fans to this day will say, oh, the NFL hates hates the, the Raiders and they're always trying to stick it to them. I don't think the NFL now is doing that, but I right. definitely do sign up and believe that there was a long period of time where there was any opportunity they had to, to stick it to the Raiders. They would for all the. All the reasoning that you mentioned with Al Davis uh, suing the league as much as he did and, and winning, you know, winning, not only suing yeah. them, but winning. That yeah. was the problem. Not only did he sue the league, but he won. So right. that's where it really kind of stuck was that, not, you know, them losing uh, the lawsuit. $49 million. I mean, how Man. much is that in today money? You know, $49 million in 83, that's a fortune. I mean, obviously $49 million is a crazy amount of money, but right. today that's probably like something like $150, $200 million. Dollars these days, at least. So, at I mean, least. Sorry, yep. a quarter of a billion dollars he raked the NFL for just because he was upset. Right. You know, like, hey, you owe me money. And the court was like, yep, he does. So go ahead and fork it over, Pete Rosell. So, man, that was, that was crazy, though. He did things his way, didn't he? I mean, he, he did, did it man. the way he wanted to do it, whether it was right or wrong. If the team suffered in the long run for it, I mean, we can never just 100% say, yeah, they did. But, um, man, he, just, he, he was hell bent on doing it his way. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's, it, it kind of got shaky there towards the end. God bless him. But, uh, right. you know, Al, it was, he was, he, he, that the buck stops with, with him. And that's how it always was uh, yep. with Al Davis. You had to respect him for that. I mean, he got in on the ground floor with the AFL and, and took it all the way to, uh, you know, to being one of those charter franchises in the league right now. You can't imagine an NFL without the Raiders. No, no, not at all. You know, and, and you mentioned earlier just, uh, iconic uniforms, and, and I, I only think about it because so many teams continuously change their uniforms oh. year after year. You know, the, we just saw the Falcons and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. They just switched theirs up again. Mm -hmm. And, you know, the Raiders have been going strong for 50-plus years with the same same basic uniform, you know, and it's it's nothing fancy to it, but that's what's so nice about it. It's just yeah. it's it's crisp, it's clean, it's, it's, it's somewhat intimidating. It's just it's sharp, man. It's sharp, and, and for Al to be, you know, at the forefront of that and, and knowing exactly what he wanted, that many years ago and it's lasted this long. I mean, it kind of tells you of the, the visionary that Al Davis was. Yeah, he absolutely was, man. He really, really was so important uh, to the league, which is why it's so kind of tragic, the relationship that he had yeah. with the NFL for the majority of his time, uh, you know, as a, as an owner and, and uh, being involved uh, in the league. And uh, you mentioned the uniforms. If we could just go off on a tangent real quick. I <laughs> am a self-professed uniform snob. And okay. I have always said that, you know, like my team, the Bears, that traditional uniform that they have, they haven't touched it. God bless them. Um, the, and I've always said teams like them, like the Packers and, the, you know, like I wish the Browns, apparently they're changing their uniforms. Hopefully they go back to what they had before as opposed to that, you know, high school uniform they've been wearing the last few years where – Browns is written on every piece of clothing that they have like we right. don't know who they are but, right um you know and I've always said you know like the 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 Colts the and the Raiders obviously it's like these are 
these are traditional don't not broke don't fix them kind of uniforms and <laughs> Tampa Bay I was actually happy I really like Tampa Bay's new configuration or basically going back to the future if yeah, you will I um, do too you know I, I like that uh, the the pewter jersey I think that one looks cool uh, mm-hmm. I like the uniforms and going back to the basic look as opposed to the digital clock numbers that they had on their jerseys for the last five years the Falcons on the other hand oh I, d- <laughs> I thought the Falcons was okay no man I no you <laughs> go Wrong. back and look at them man okay <laughs> go back and look okay the the white on white I don't mind it's and it's the numbers because it seems like the numbers for some reason are bigger than they were before and they're they're too basic you know like the the trim right. around the numbers is kind of gone it's almost like a shadow effect like it's it's shifted over an inch or two or or whatever that they got these weird custom numbers on the jerseys now and don't even get me started on that red one that fades into black as it goes down why why are we doing that it's just oh it looks so bad and then the atl thing being so big and prominent in the middle of the chest plate there just looks it's it's terrible. It is absolutely <laughs> terrible. I that's hate the, those uniforms. I that is so them. funny. When they tweeted that picture out, I said, oh, that's kind of cool. And I, I literally quote tweeted and said, oh, that's kind of cool. And everyone was hitting me with it like, man, I don't know what you're seeing. I don't like it. I don't like yeah. it. Now you broke it down like that. So maybe I got to go back and look at it again. Maybe well, I'm wrong. <laughs> I don't have a problem because I think everybody's doing, you know, because even the Buccaneers have Buccaneers, you know, right above the numbers. But it's small. Right. You know, with them, it's prominent, you know, this big ATL right in the middle. And then these huge gaudy ass numbers in the middle of the <laughs> the jersey is like this is not pleasing to the eye at all. At That's all. funny. That so, is so it's like, you know, and the, the, the Falcons had pretty sweet uniforms to begin with. Like, I don't know why they were messing with that. But then they went ahead and did that. What I'm really interested in seeing is what the Rams are doing with their uniforms. Oh, like, man. Are I don't they know. <laughs> are they keeping the helmets the way that they've been since 1948 when they were the Cleveland Rams and they were the first team to adopt a helmet logo? Because if they mess with that, they've gone off the rails. Because the the lo- the new logo, not a fan. No, you no, know, the not new a fan. Terrible, terrible. And apparently the the Chargers are eliminating the the navy or midnight blue from their color scheme altogether. Because the new Charger logo that they have is just the the powder blue and the the yellow, oh, okay. Um, as the for for the lightning bolt, so maybe they're switching that up. So I'm interested to see what they're doing with that. But I really want to see if the Rams are going to mess with that helmet. If they did, um, like I said, I'm reserving judgment on the Rams until I see the uniforms. But if they mess with that helmet, they they've they've really messed up. Yeah, the the Rams. The, what they need to do is just have the old school Eric Dickerson look and call it. Yes, a day. absolutely, one hundred percent. That's all they need to do. That's, That's all they need to do. I was never really a big fan of the gold, but I got used to it. Right. It was just kind of a modification of what was already there. But, uh, yeah, never really a big fan of the white. That one just, just doesn't stick out uh, for me. So when they, whenever they wore the quote-unquote throwbacks and wore the gold and, and blue, I was like, yeah, that, that looks good. I like that. So, exactly. That's all it should be. Yes. So, anyway, uh, let's go back to our conversation real quick. <laughs> Um, like we said before, the, the 83 draft and it not happening, this, this little scenario we've been playing with here, 
you know, obviously it worked out for both teams. The Raiders actually went on to win the Super Bowl in 1983, uh, beating the uh, Redskins 38-9 to in Super Bowl 18. And the 83 draft, starting with Jimbo Covert, since they kept the number six pick, uh, they took Willie Galt, Mike Richardson, Dave Dorson, Tom Thayer, Richard Dent, and Mark Bortz in that draft. That's seven starters from the 85 team, including two Hall of Famers, Jimbo Covert and Richard Dent, who I always love to mention the Bears got in a round of the draft that doesn't exist anymore. It's true. That's yeah. very true. You know that's and you know it's funny because there there's been teams that have said that uh, they would like the the NFL to have more rounds starting this year because of everything that's going on. I think uh, I can't remember what team it was, but they suggested ten. I think it was Baltimore. They suggested ten rounds. Yeah. Um, so that that would be interesting if they went back to that. But you're right. Uh, Richard Dent was selected in a round that doesn't exist right now. Yeah, he was an eighth round pick for the Bears. I mean, and it's just like. In their first six picks, they had two first-rounders in Jimbo Covert and Willie Galt. Second-round pick was Mike Richardson, who was a starting corner for the Bears in 85. Dave Dewerson, who was kind of forced into duty in 85 because Todd Bell did a contract holdout for the entire 85 season. Imagine being Todd Bell and missing out on the most historic season in franchise history. But he held out on a contract dispute in 85. Dave Dewerson took his place and never gave his job back. Then we took a tight end with our first pick in the fourth round. But then our second pick in the fourth round was Tom Thayer, who was a starter from like 84, 85 until the mid-90s. And then no picks in the fifth, sixth, or seventh round. And then the two picks we had in the eighth round, Richard Dent, Mark Bortz, cornerstones of the franchise for the next decade. So, I mean, Jim Finks, our general manager in 83, murdered the draft in 83 because he set the Bears on a path where we were going to be contenders for the next decade, right? Exactly. So. I mean, that, and that's that's what you got to do, and that's what that's what uh, NFL GMs are trying to do now. And some teams they do it really well, and some teams they don't. But uh, you got to hit on on draft picks, not just in the first round, not in the second round, but you got to get those lower lower level guys later in the draft, guys that that really are the foundation of your team that can that can set you up for the long haul. That's what Mike Mayock with the Raiders is attempting to do mm-hmm. in his second year of this upcoming draft. And that's kind of where both of our franchise have struggled from like the 90s on yep. is hit, missing a hell of a lot more in the draft than they were they were hitting for sure. I right. Mean, the, the Raiders and their picks being more prominent probably because of uh, Al Davis and his involvement and being in love with this guy, like taking Darius Hayward Bay at number seven when he was probably more of a back half of the first round kind of guy. But – because he could run and leave, you know, fire tracks behind him. That's yep. an Al Davis guy, so we're going to take him in the top ten. You know, never mind trading back and probably still being able to get him. We're going to take him at seven and pay him more than he's worth. He uh, should have should have taken Michael Crabtree, who ended up going to the Forty ers But Michael Crabtree was coming back off of a foot injury that he suffered at Texas Tech, and so he didn't run in the forty at the combine. And so they was told right then and there, Al will not draft him because he's not running in the forty. And everyone thought, oh, no, everyone, you've seen what he's done. He was the best wide receiver in college. Al's not going to take him because he didn't run the 40. And, well, he didn't. And then eventually Michael Crabtree ended up becoming a, a Raider after all. But, uh, yeah, it was a little too late. DHB ended up being the pick because, like, he, like you said, he ran, and he ran really, really fast. Yeah. So, I mean, and there are plenty of things like that, uh, you know, happening with, you know, number two overall with Robert Gallery that <laughs> one year. 
And that guy played in the league for a long time, but he wasn't the road grader that he was in Iowa for the Raiders. No, no, he really wasn't. And he wasn't uh, Larry Fitzgerald, who's still playing in the league. Right. Could have had him. There's so many of these could have had – I mean, you're talking about quarterbacks. Could have had Aaron Rodgers. Instead had Fabian Washington. Right. I mean, yeah. I mean Jesus. <laughs> well, you, we, we could have had Aaron Rodgers and we took Curtis Enos, bro. So, well, there you go. <laughs> you know, at least Fabian Washington stuck around and played a few years in the league and, and all that kind of stuff. Curtis Enos lasted two seasons in Chicago. Two. Right. That's it. Well, so, yeah. yeah. And thought changing his number would, would revolutionize his career, and it just made people wonder who the hell number 44 was. That's all it did. Exactly. You know, I was like, we drafted number 39. Who's 44? It's like, but that's <laughs> – you know, and he lost a ton of weight. It was just – you know, that, he was definitely grasping at straws, man. It was he was desperate for sure. Yeah, but, um, we've gone through the struggles when it comes to oh, the draft. Oh, for sure, man. Sure. And it's yep. just it's been a disaster, one way or, or the other. Like I'll never forgive um, Mark Hatley, I think, who was uh, the running the pro personnel guy for the Bears, because we didn't have a GM after we after Jim Fink's left in '84. We didn't have a GM again until Jerry Angelo in 2001. Oh, wow. So, or I think we did. I think Jerry Fasini was, uh, I think, the GM after Finks. But we're talking like mid 80s. Right, right. Until right. 2001, we didn't have a general manager. So, right. you know, a lot of those, t- like, just listen to this, man. I'm sure you remember this, but uh, 1993, the Bears trade the number six overall pick. So there's number six overall, again, uh, to the Seattle Seahawks straight up for Rick Meyer. Dang. Yeah. Or 1997. <laughs> 97. Because Meyer got drafted in 93 by the. Right, you know, right. But yeah, straight up. Number wow. six overall for Rick Meyer. <laughs> <laughs> you, I can laugh about it now, but there's yeah, nothing, I mean, that's the thing. nothing funny about now. what happened there. Nothing exactly. funny. Because yep. the Seahawks, I think, traded back a couple of spots, and that draft pick became Sean Springs. Okay who was a cornerstone corner, like one of the top Seahawks ever, and right. we ended up with Rick Meyer. Yeah, I he remember was, Sean Springs. He was a heck of a player. He, he was at Ohio State, right? Yep. Yeah, he was a heck of yep. a player. And, yeah, and I, I, I had got it mixed up for years. I got it twisted for years because the, the Seahawks also, with their other first-round pick that year, took Walter Jones. So I thought for years that we traded Rick Meyer for Walter Jones. Right. <laughs> Walter <laughs> Jones, one of the best offensive tackles yeah. of his era. And you he know, still got Rick Meyer. Yeah, and we got Rick Meyer. We got him for 97, ditched him in 98. That was it. We have a first-round pick to rent a guy for a year. Right. Wow. So, yeah, that was that's, that's some top-flight that's stuff time. right there, man. That's right. That's who right. you want running your organization, the guy that made that call. That's <laughs> Yeah, so, not so much. But that's been the, the, the main problem with the Bears and the Raiders. You have a good season here or there. You know, the team overachieves or you catch lightning in a bottle. But as far as being able to sustain it, that hasn't been something that our franchise have been able to do for far too long, in my opinion. No, you're, you're absolutely right. And a matter of fact, that kind of leads me to my question. What are your thoughts now, two seasons later? What are your thoughts now on the Khalil Mack trade and what the Bears gave up and what they've gotten in return and where they're at right now as an organization? I mean, are you still happy with the, the trade and, and the acquisition of Mack? Or do you feel like, you know what, maybe the Bears gave up too much for him? Well, you know, it's like we talked about this last year when, when right. I had you on the show and the the prevailing opinion, like there was that one column that said after the 2018 season, the Raiders have won the, the, won the trade. It's like, how could anybody say that? Right. How could right. anyone say after 2018 when Khalil Mack was a monster in Chicago 
and the Raiders weren't the Raiders went from six and ten to four and twelve or whatever it was in you know right. they they went backwards a year, which is probably what they're planning to do anyway. But you know, it's like we haven't seen what the Raiders have done with these picks yet, so I can't really say you know like I but I you know conceded. I think that you could say you talk a scenario five years down the road where the Raiders ultimately won the trade. Once we see, you know, what Josh Jacobs will be and your 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 the safety that you guys got, the other first rounder uh, that you went with, and and what you got from those picks versus what Khalil Mack and his salary might end up doing to the cap and how it might hinder the Bears and so on and so forth. After I'd say we're we're at a stalemate right now because right. the Bears won twenty eighteen for sure. Yep. The Raiders won 2019 for sure. Yep. But how's it going to be 2020 and beyond? Because in 2019 uh, or in 2018, Khalil Mack had everything that he was lacking in 2019, which was help in right. in, in 2019. Right, like King right. Hicks got hurt. Yeah. Leonard Floyd could not figure out how to handle the one-on-one situations that the everyone and their mama triple and double and triple teaming – Khalil Mack on the other side, he had no help. So you didn't you didn't have to give Khalil Mack one on one uh matchups. So, you know, if you figure out you can put the entire offensive line to block one guy because the other ten guys aren't doing anything, oh made for a long season for Khalil. And there's rumors that he was kind of banged up throughout the season uh as well. He was just playing through it. Right. Now we got Robert Quinn. So Robert Quinn knows how to get to the passer. He can close the deal unlike what Leonard Floyd could do. So it's like, talk to me at the end of this season if there is one. And, you know, then, then we'll say who, who won round three, you know, right. of, of, this, uh, of this trade. Does Josh Jacobs, you know, does he have a sophomore slump or does he play well? Does that Abram, does that safety come back from injury, you know, stronger than ever? And, you know, can he make up for the time that he missed and, uh, and all that kind of stuff? really interested to see what uh what happens uh this year but i would say as far as like uh round one round two we run round one and in 2018 you guys run you look like you came out in the better half in 2019 so i'd say we're going into 2020 trying to see who can gain the uh who can win the rubber match right well and, and then with that being said the raiders also pick at number 19 this year which is yes. also the bears pick so that's right. going to be you know who who is that guy and with the the troubles that Mitchell Trubisky's been having as the quarterback, the Bears go out and make the move for for Nick Foles. Yeah. Is it kind of like, damn, kind of wish I had that first round pick back because instead of going for Nick Foles, now maybe we can go and get another quarterback or or is Mitchell Trubisky the guy and he's just trying to figure things out? You know, I I was kind of wondering, you know, for the longest time it was like what are the Bears going to do? Are we going to trade for somebody? Are we going to give up a king's ransom to sign someone, uh, you know, and and hamstring the team salary cap? I mean, we had we had salary cap issues going into this off season anyway. But you know, what what are the Bears going to do? Uh, we tried to get Teddy Bridgewater, but I think that um, Ryan Pace wouldn't pull the trigger because of this whole coronavirus thing. We couldn't get him in for a physical to see where he's at right right now. Is that knee really? 100% or was he just protected by an outstanding offensive line in New Orleans because the O-line in Chicago not as good which means you know we might him need him to take a hit or two and can he you know uh the the whole Cam Newton situation was going on we were talking to Andy Dalton from the beginning my contention was this number one 
I would have loved if the Bears could have gotten their hands on Derek Carr. Talk about another trade the Bears and right. the Raiders could have been involved in. Yeah. Uh, you know, that was rumored. There was yeah, that rumor floating around was, for a while. For sure. Yeah. And that was the scenario I was most in love with. That like okay. get Derek Carr, he can be our starting quarterback. He's a young guy. He's yes, he got paid, but he got paid by twenty seventeen standards. He's not making thirty five million dollars a season like Aaron Rodgers and uh, you know, Russell Wilson and, and the forty million that Mahomes is probably gonna get when his contract yeah. is up after this year and and all that kind of stuff. He's making nineteen, twenty, twenty one million, which is a, a ton of money, but bargain basement for a top flight starting quarterback in twenty twenty uh NFL. That didn't happen. Um I was more in interested in A kind of giving Mitch a chance, you know, one last chance because he's this is his fourth year of his contract. We got him no matter what. Right. And, you know, we haven't and will most likely not pick up his fifth year option bring in somebody like a Mariota who you guys ended up signing and yep. or an Andy Dalton to compete with like a straight up quarterback competition because I think one of the big problems with Mitch is that he hasn't been pushed in by anyone since joining the league with the Bears because he was never uh threatened by Mike Glennon because Glennon handed Stinks. over whole <laughs> handed over the job he just stinks. handed it over to him. He was <laughs> terrible. Just, I mean, we didn't think I it know. was going to be great to start with, but holy hell, dude. Four games, everyone is begging for. I mean, even Akeem Hicks is like, dude, put the rookie in. For Christ's sake. It right. cannot get any worse than this. And I was adamant, adamant, do not put Mitch in there. Do not put Mitch in there. I don't want the Bears to draft a quarterback in the first place. I didn't think we were ready yet. Watching 2017 unfold, I could not have felt more vindicated by that thought uh, than I was. And now here we are. We got this rookie who is probably not ready yet starting week five on Monday Night Football against the Vikings because our $17 million quarterback can't throw it from here to there without picking <laughs> the without throwing it to the wrong jersey. You know, it's like, give me a break. Right. So, I mean, it just – so Glennon was never a threat, and neither has Chase Daniel in his two years. Right. In Chicago, he was always there to help Mitch, help him learn the offense, which he already knew after spending time with Nagy and Philly and, and Kansas City. He knew the the system. He was there to mentor and teach Mitch and help him with the offense. Even though he came in and had his flashes uh, when he was in for Mitch when he got hurt and things like that, the job was always Mitch's. He's never been challenged. Bring somebody in and be like, okay, fair game. It could be Dalton's job. It could be yours. Either you're going to step up and keep the job or you're going to back up the guy that took it from you. And I'm interested to see how Mitch responds to that. Now, when we first traded for Nick Foles, I was like, okay, well, Foles is the starter because I'm thinking that the Bears are absorbing the $20 million a year plus that he signed with Jacksonville. Now his contract's being restructured to where he and Mitch are pretty much making the same money this year. So now it is a competition. Right, right, you right. Know? So, and that's what the Bears are saying. This is an open competition from day one. You guys are going to trade starts in the preseason, see how that goes. And, you know, I'm interested to see how it's all going to unfold. The worst case scenario is Mitch doesn't do it and Nick Foles is our starter, in my opinion. Right. Well, that's, to me, that's on worst top case. of that. On top of that, I mean, with the the season being the way it is and, and, you know, us not knowing when OTAs will get started, when training camp will get started, it might be, you know, a, a little bit of a boost and a little bit of help for Mitchell Trubisky because he at least already knows 
the offense. He already knows what's expected now. You know, he he's, hasn't perfected it yet, but, I mean, Nick Foles is going to kind of be behind the eight ball when he gets into camp and starts actually trying to get this uh, offense under his belt. And I don't really think that's the case either because okay. Foles has been in Kansas City with Andy Reid. That's Reed. true. He was in that's Philadelphia yeah. with Andy Reid. And, you know, he if he does, he knows the system. He may not be familiar with what maybe Nagy's terminology would right. be, but I'm sure the concepts and, and, and all that kind of stuff – He's very familiar with because he was also with De Filippo in Jacksonville last year, who's his quarterback coach in Chicago now. That's so, true. Yep. Yep. I mean, there's so many things where it's like, you know, like um, Lewis. Um, he's my favorite analyst on ESPN. I forget. Lewis Thank you, Lewis Riddick. I love that guy. Yeah, he's he, great. from the he's beginning great. was pounding the table. Nick Foles, Chicago, Nick Foles, Chicago, Nick Foles, Chicago. The, that trade comes through. He loses his mind on Twitter. He's like, dude, bear down. Nick Foles in Chicago, this is going to be great. I'm like, dude, I hope it happens. As, as enthusiastic as Lewis, Lewis Riddick is about it, hopefully it works out uh, that well. Like he just said all along, Nick Foles is the perfect fit for Chicago, the scheme and everything and that they need him to do. He can be the guy with the Bears. And I hope he's right. Yeah. I it should be right. interesting. It really yeah. should be. I'm, I'm interested to see how everything shakes out. Uh, because, uh, you know, the, obviously Chicago had options at quarterback, and they went with Mitchell Trubisky, and, I mean, obviously that's been well documented. But they went with Trubisky and, you know, see how that works out, see if it does work out or if he ends up, you know, being four and done in Chicago. Yeah, I mean, it's kind of pointing that way if the first three years are any indication. Right. I don't know what's going to change, which is why I was interested to see what this scenario would do to him. Right. You know, would he step up? Would he get pissed that his job is actually in jeopardy? now you know yeah he should you would think so yeah you would think so you know you would think but this is also the guy that went on television last year and told everyone he t made them turn the tvs off in the hallway because the, the media was talking trash about him <laughs> right. now whether or not that was a joke or it or whether they actually turned the tvs off is moot because he said it on right. television for yep. the chicago press to hear like yeah we we made him turn the tvs off so we don't have to listen to the negative noise like bro you're a pro football player in the number two market in Chicago in the in the league. You're gonna catch some steam no matter what, and exactly. you gotta have some thick skin about it. It's Chicago. The fans don't come much more passionate than what you're dealing with. Here. Exactly. Exactly. You know? Yeah. So, tough, tough enough. Tough enough. Yeah. Exactly. So it's like you kind of wonder when you hear things like that, whether he's joking or you know whatever it is. You know, it just comes off a certain way that nobody really liked last year. Exactly. So, so it should be interesting. Yeah. So what are you looking forward to with your Raiders this year? You're number three under Gruden. You're number two with Mayock and, you know, him working his magic with personnel and such. What, what are you thinking? Well, I mean, I, I'm excited by what Mayock brings to the table. Uh, we all know that John Gruden's not the greatest talent evaluator. Uh, he's <laughs> shown that in Tampa Bay. I mean, he's sure. shown that plenty of times. Uh, even the first year back with the Raiders, I mean, there's some selections that he made that just kind of scratch your head, I think. Him and Mayock, they work well to get each other. I think, I mean, obviously Gruden signs off on everything. It's not, nothing gets done without him saying okay. But I think Mayock has a good way of talking and communicating with them to kind of, uh, you know, bounce ideas and say, hey, this is why this is not a good idea. This is why this player should be selected. So I'm very interested in this draft, uh, picking 12 and 19. Obviously wide receiver number one is, is, a, is a high, huge priority. 
Uh, they tried to go get A.B. last year. That didn't work out very well. So they need a number one wide receiver. I mean, so badly. So I think that that's what's going to happen at 12. But I'll tell you, man, that number 19 overall pick, which is the Bears pick, yeah. that is a mystery to me. I don't know what they're going to do. Linebacker was a big need. They went out and got two linebackers in free agency that I'm excited about. You know, I mean, defensive back is a need. Uh, they might go get a corner. They, uh, I mean, you know, they might just go best player available. There might be – I don't know. They might trade back. You know what I mean? Because, look, sure. Bears have the Raiders' second-round pick, which yeah. I I'm still can't – still scratching my head Yeah, on how I that thought happened. that was like uh, – you know, well, <laughs> that's why the Bears won that trade. They somehow got the Raiders to give up a second-round pick uh, in this draft. And it's like that's, it's like, that's genius. Right? I don't yeah. know how he did that, but he, he pulled it off. Yeah, so. I'm still scratching my head, but – you know, besides that, man, I mean, they go and make some some good uh, picks in the, in the draft like they did last year. Uh, then I feel like they have a lot of talent on the roster, and I don't think there's any reason why in year three under Gruden you're not in the playoffs. I, sure. I think the playoffs sure. have to be the expectation. Now, if they go and do it, cool. If they don't, well, then there's a reason for it. I, I don't know what it is, and we'll see how it all plays out. But I think the expectations for all Raider fans going into 2020 is, is playoffs are bust. You know what I mean? It's, sure, sure. What, what, what are we doing? You know what I mean? What yeah. are we doing? What are we doing here if we're not expecting playoffs? So I mean, hell, you got to be in the playoffs at some point. So I, I think you go four and twelve his first year. You go uh, they go last year six Seven and nine. nine. You know six and nine. Then hey, or six and ten. Yeah, six and ten. Then this year, why not? Why not nine and seven? Why not ten and six? I mean, you know, flip that thing around. So sure. Um, yeah, I, I I just think that the playoffs is where they need to be. Right. And can I just, uh, on behalf of all Bear fans. <laughs> Thank you for signing Nick Witkowski because oh. <laughs> our main worry, my main worry, and I was joined by several people on Twitter. They, you know, they co-signed on the thought that was Green Bay needed a linebacker. And this like just I either wanted the Bears to re-sign him or I wanted him to go somewhere in the AFC. That's what I wanted because right. I knew if Green Bay signed him, this guy would make the Hall of Fame kicking the hell out of the Bears for the next 10 years. <laughs> so, I mean, I've, I've heard a lot of good things about him. Uh, I, I know that he's just – he's not a flashy guy, but he's a hell of a player. But, yeah. I mean, tell me about him, man. I mean, what kind of player are the Raiders getting in him? Well, you know what? This is a guy I was really disappointed that we didn't re-sign him, to be completely honest with okay. you. Uh, I love Danny Trevathan. He's a great leader on the team. But he's he's had trouble staying healthy all four years that he's been uh, in Chicago. He's been banged up in one way. I mean, 2018 was the one year that he stayed healthy, you know. But we signed him in 2016. He missed a bunch of games there. 2017, he was hurt. And then last year, he missed the second half of the year with the, with the elbow injury. When he's on the field and he's healthy, he's amazing. So on that point, great job re-signing him. I wanted to go with Kwiatkowski. He's the younger guy. And when he stepped in for uh, Trevathan, he was a monster uh, for the Bears. This is a guy that when Ryan Pace sat down for his first interview after he was named general manager, he was saying how basically he wanted to be the next Green Bay Packers where, you know, and, and that's the famous thing that he said, the Packers have 47 people on their roster right now and 46 of them have only ever been Green Bay Packers. You know, and that's what he wanted to do with the Bears, where he's got all this homegrown guys. They got drafted by the Bears. We cultivated them. We re-signed them. They're our guys and have only been our guys. And I felt like Kwiatkowski was the guy that perfectly fit what Ryan Pace was talking about. Because when we drafted him in 2015, 2016, whatever it was, he was forced into duty uh, when Trevathan went down, ironically. And it was apparent that, A, he was a fourth-round pick and that, B, 
He was a little wet behind the ears. He was especially weak in pass coverage. He was awesome against the run, but in pass coverage, he was always a step behind. And this is a guy that in the four years that he wore a Bear uniform in 2019, he wasn't a liability in coverage anymore. This is a guy who was also really, really good at blitzing the quarterback. You know, nice. getting in on the run. It's, he's he's evolved. He has grown. He has done what Ryan Pace set out to do is, is picking some guys and cultivating them, having them grow within the organization and become the players we need them to be. That's what Kwiatkowski did, and we let him get away. So, you know, you guys got a good football player. If he picks up where he left off in Chicago, he's going to be a staple for you guys. Well, that's the, the Raiders need it, man. Linebacking was one of those the weakest uh, areas of the team, man. They really, really needed linebacker help. They went and got Corey Littleton and Kukowski. And so, yeah, man, that, that looked like a really, really good uh, offseason moves that they made in free agency by bringing in those two. And like I said, I've, I've heard nothing but good reviews about Kukowski since uh, the Raiders signed him and, and then you signing off on him as well. It just, yeah. you know, double, triple, triple down on him. So, yeah, very excited about what he could bring to the table. And so that kind of, again, makes it, don't know what the Raiders are going to do with that number 19 overall pick, but uh, we will see sooner sooner than later, man. It's going to come up pretty soon. Yeah, I mean, I had two feelings immediately when I saw that signing, when it was it was like, oh, and oh, thank God. Just <laughs> not going to Green Bay, thank God. He's, you know, and, right. and we just played the Raiders, so unless the Bears and the Raiders meet in the Super Bowl, we're not going to have Kwiatkowski ramming it down our throats until 2023, so... Nicey, yeah. I'm there, cool. there is cool. nothing than worse than having a player leave your team and then all of a sudden just dominate you. There's nothing worse than that. Nothing, nothing worse. Nothing worse. I mean, we had it happen to us once um, with Cedric Benson. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, drafted him. Actually, it was him in '05 that we drafted. We Curtis Enos. That was I got. I was way off on that. Enos <laughs> was '98. Benson Damn. was 2005. That was the Aaron Rodgers draft. So instead of we could have had Aaron Rodgers instead of um Cedric Benson. Right. Um who was just it just didn't work out between No, Benson no, no. Benson. He he had a and, whole lot of issues going yeah, on. Yeah, he did. And and losing his job with Chicago is probably the best thing that happened to him because he went to Cincinnati, had some really nice seasons, including a one hundred and forty five yard three touchdown revenge game against the Bears uh <laughs> in two thousand nine. You know, it's like where was this guy when he was wearing right, our uniform? Right. This guy did not play for us. So to hell with Cedric Benson, you know. That's but, right. You know, unfortunately, he passed away last year, so may he rest yeah. in peace. But uh, you know, but his time in Chicago just wasn't wasn't good, and he had good years in Cincinnati. He had three really good years, and he was a thousand yard rusher for the Bengals. You Dang. know, yeah, that's right. Couldn't figure sure it out was. in Chicago, though, man. Couldn't figure right. it out. Couldn't stay out of trouble in Chicago either. No, so, no, that was his biggest issue was trouble. Yeah. Cincinnati welcomed that. Yeah, yeah, they did. <laughs> you know, it's like they. Oh God, I feel sorry for Joe Burrow, man. For real, for real, yeah. yeah. He's he's walking into he's walking into a hornet's nest, man. Uh, and I don't think he knows it, or maybe he does. Maybe that's why he's kind of well. He's from know. Ohio, so maybe he's he wants yeah. to go to Cincinnati. I don't know. Did he grow up a Bengals fan or a Browns fan in Ohio back in the day? Who knows? That, that's a good question. That's yeah. a great question. So, but uh, Q, I think I've taken up enough of your time, man. I really appreciate taking the time to uh, to hash out and talk about that what if scenario, and then. You know, fun talking about everything else we've been talking about for the last half hour uh, or so. So, uh, thanks again, man. And where else? Uh, where else can we keep up with you on- online and uh, your shows and such? Yeah, I'm on, on the every day Monday through Friday, twelve to three p.m. Central Time. I'm on ESPN Central Texas. Uh, Unnecessary Roughness is the name of the show. It's a lot of fun. 
And then, of course, on Twitter, at your boy Q254, host the Locked On Raiders podcast. And I uh, do that on the daily as well. So, uh, yeah, man, it's always a lot of fun talking some sports, even though, well, we don't have a whole lot of sports to talk, but we, yeah. we manage. We manage and we make it happen. Which is why I envy, like, you uh, or admire or I'm in awe of you and Lauren Cox and everybody in the the Locked On group who is cranking out episodes every day when the nothing is happening right now. There's <laughs> nothing going on. You know, uh, we, nothing going on. There's been no, like, <laughs> signings for, like, the last couple of weeks now that the, the first wave of free agency is over with. I mean, there's still some really big names out, like Davian Clowney and, and uh, you know, Cam Newton. Those are yep, names just, that Wilson. are still out. Yeah, and those are names that are still out there, and, yep. you know, nothing is happening right now. Nope. It's like we're in a holding pattern probably until after the draft. Exactly. Yeah, it, I'm sure nothing's going to happen until at least the draft, but uh... – uh, it should be interesting, man, and you know, it's still it's a lot. It's a lot of fun to talk about. I mean, this this thing, if anything, is it's given us a. It's it's hard to to do what we do on the daily, is you know, putting out episodes and shows and everything when it's not a whole lot to talk about. But at the same time, it allows us time to have conversations like we had today, like me and you yeah. had today about what ifs and, and and stuff like that, and and different scenarios, and maybe even go over and watch some games. Uh, a second time and see some stuff that you might have missed the first time and so it's been giving me at least a lot of time to catch up on some things that i wouldn't necessarily be doing if we actually had real games going on right now right right all so. right well thanks so much again q and uh enjoy the rest of your holiday you have a good one all right absolutely and i'm uh i, I got i have this recording on my end so a couple of those things like you, we talked about khalil mack and and uh you know kwakowski and stuff like that i'm gonna use on tomorrow's show as well just uh just so you know all right, we'll check that out on uh, Locked On Raiders, and we'll talk to you again real soon, Q. All right, brother. Appreciate you. Remember, guys, for free shipping and a 60-day risk-free trial, you want to go to simplysafe.com slash Team that's simplysafe.com slash T E A M. And for $50 off your first job post, go to LinkedIn.com slash team, LinkedIn.com slash T E A M. Of course, want to thank our good friend, your boy Q, it's Q Myers, uh, for coming on to the show. Like I said, spending part of his, uh, spending part of his, uh, I was going to say Thanksgiving, <laughs> could not be further away from Thanksgiving. Uh, part of his Easter uh, with us, like I said, this this whole uh, uh, pandemic has kind of thrown a monkey wrench into to everything, you know, sports and daily life. And now it's affecting holidays and stuff like that. Like I said, I should be somewhere uh, right now, uh, you know, picking over whatever dad's pulling off the, the grill or whatever, uh, you know, mom is cooking and uh, things like that. And uh, instead, I'm kind of hanging out in my crib waiting on my Chinese food to show up. So. Uh, it's kind of an odd situation, but, um, you know, thanks for Q, to Q for carving out about an hour or so of his Sunday to come hang out with me and uh, help me put another uh, episode out for uh, you guys. So uh, wherever you are, hopefully you're staying safe and washing your hands and not touching your face and all the rest of that stuff that the quote unquote experts are advising us to do so we can get through this as quickly as possible and get back to uh normal life i wonder what the new normal is going to be like when uh when uh we're free to roam the uh roam the planet uh once again uh without restrictions so uh, i'm interested to see what that's going to be like um 
I'm also interested to see what it's going to be like to uh, go back to work because uh, I've been working from home uh, for the last three weeks. So going back to the office every day and, and doing that. And when I know that I can do my job at home with no restrictions whatsoever, uh, you know, going to the office is going to seem pointless uh, in the future, I think. So I don't know how many of you are, are working from home uh, these days. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm grateful that I can do that and uh that i still have a job to uh complain about and and stress over and and uh things like that a lot of people including people in my own family uh weren't as lucky so um you know yeah grateful to be uh to 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 have a job and uh grateful to be doing this grateful that you guys would listen and uh let me entertain you with my uh blathering and, and making up imaginary scenarios to do a show uh on and uh you know we're uh you know just doing our best i think that's what we're all trying to do right now trying to stay as normal as possible in these abnormal situations and uh you know like i said just do whatever do whatever you need to do stay home wash your hands don't touch face Uh, my mom's big on making sure i clean the doorknobs so that's been thrown into my daily life now uh and, and everything else so um yeah do your best to to entertain yourself that's kind of what today was about for me having a fun conversation with with q so i could bring it to you and entertain you tomorrow and uh beyond or whenever you get around to listening uh to it um trying to get in touch with uh scott wright our our draft expert to uh do a a proper uh draft preview conversation hopefully uh either this week or next week uh we'll be able to get him on the show to uh to do that and, and then of course have him back a week or two from now uh or a week or two after the draft to review uh the choices and and this very odd nfl draft that is not even one tenth of one scintilla of what it was going to be i mean you heard me and q talk about it at the top it's it was supposed to be at vegas and you know how crazy was vegas going to be after what they did in chicago and philly and then of course last year and in Nashville and the spectacle uh, that it's become just what were they going to be able to do and ramp it up in Las Vegas in uh, this year. So maybe we'll have to wait a few years before we finally get to see that, but hopefully it will happen uh, sometime uh, in the future. So, but uh, you know, again, guys, thanks so much uh, for, uh, for listening. Hopefully you guys are, uh, you know, keeping safe and uh, doing what you need to do. Uh, in order to stay safe and uh, just be patient, we'll all get through this uh, one way or the other. We're coming out on the other side. So hopefully that day comes sooner rather than later. And we can uh, we can have our our we can have the baseball season. We can have the basketball and NHL playoffs. And more importantly for us, especially as far as this show is concerned, we can have our football season because. Boy, you know, I'm not really feeling the crunch of the. I mean, obviously, this is this is the lull in the year for me. No sports, baseball, basketball, hockey. Not really a big fan of any of them, to be completely honest with you. I'm a Cubs fan, not a baseball fan. I'm a Blackhawks fan, not a hockey fan. I'm a Bulls fan, not a basketball fan. So it's just if those teams aren't involved, and even then, there has to be stakes. <laughs> like. I wouldn't just be watching the Cubs to watch the Cubs as regular season baseball. This seems pointless to me, especially in April. But, um, you know, 
maybe and then the Bulls were not going to the playoffs this year and I think the Blackhawks were out as well so yeah big deal so this time of year it would be nothing for me and it would just be draft season like it is now or the repercussions of the free agency which I talked about uh, at the top of the show before our conversation with Q and uh, and things like that that's what this time of year would be about if this thing bleeds into the fall and we're missing games or repostponing you know rescheduling games and the Super Bowl is being played in February or or late February or March or whatever because of how things got pushed back then I'll start to feel the crunch of what this is of what this pandemic has done I'm not really feeling it yet personally I am because I haven't been able to go to the movies since uh late February I think I think it may even before then because there was nothing coming out there for a while so I don't think I've been to the movies since early to mid February and I'm a guy that usually goes three four times a month if not more and um you know all the movies that I want to see you know are, are being pushed back like Black Widow was supposed to be coming out in like two weeks it's coming out in November now the James Bond movie was supposed to come out yesterday or Friday on April 10th not coming out till November Fast and Furious movies not coming out till next April in 2021 uh, and everything else is just being pushed back, postponed, canceled, uh, whatever, uh, because of this whole thing. So, um, yeah, I want to be able to go back to the movies. I want to go and sit down at a restaurant and have a meal, and I can't do those things because I'm not a drinker. I've never been in, you know, never been into alcohol or or anything like that. So I don't miss not going to bars and things like that. Um, certainly not making any money as an Uber driver these days. That's for sure because nobody's going out. So there's nobody to drive around. Not that I really tried, but still, um, you know, just ready for that to get back to uh, normal. So it's like, you know, it's almost to the point where I think maybe people are afraid to go outside. Um, but uh, it's like I don't really, you know, it, it isn't like that, but it is at the same time because it's just at your own risk. When you do go out, this is what the situation is. So you're doing it at your own peril, God forbid. So. But like I said, hopefully this will be over sooner rather than later so football can stay on schedule and uh, hopefully the other sports will be able to figure out how they can come back to get everything back to normal and then we can all go back to the movies and go back to restaurants and go back to, to, to normal and what, that, what that's going to be uh, going forward. So anyway, like I said, um, normal for us is this time of year trying to talk about the draft and like I said, trying to get in touch with scott wright to have him uh be our draft expert and uh you know have him on the show and help us preview this draft for the bears and and the rest of the league and then uh we'll uh we'll go from there and if uh, nothing else maybe i'll be able to dig up another what if scenario or, or or what have you to uh come back and and talk to you guys again in the real future in the near future so stick close to the social media the uh bears talk underground group on facebook or btu underscore larry on on uh twitter uh for any updates on when any new episodes will be coming uh forthwith so uh, anyway that's it uh enjoy the rest of your pandemic and until we see each other again my name is larry d and this has been the bears talk underground